You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. Well, we're going to have a different conversation tonight as Jason Javer is on the call. Jason, I really appreciate your time uh, here tonight um, because you have kind of a, well, you have a, first of all, you have a podcast or a newer podcast. It's called Charlotte Entrepreneur Podcast. So everybody should check that out. Um, But we're going to talk a bit about entrepreneurship around real estate investing. And you have uh, kind of an interesting story because, I mean, frankly, you're an entrepreneur. You you do some some construction. You you I mean, you got a pretty big portfolio that you're managing or working through right now. I think uh, they sent me information that you're up to twenty million. Yeah, that's that's right. So we currently specialize in new construction in uh, infill development in Charlotte, North Carolina. So what that really means is. A lot of our projects are within a few miles of Center City, Charlotte, and it's all new construction. So we're doing some single family homes, duplexes, townhomes, um, and all of that has really kind of evolved over time, but that's what we're focusing on right now. So, well, you know, and, and I think this is going to be a great conversation because like when before we hit the record button, I was talking about how a lot of people see real estate investing, whether it's wholesaling or fix and flipping, or buy and hold, you know, all of these different strategies. But in the end, we're all entrepreneurs, and we're all trying to build a business. And in turn, there's a big thing that stuck out to me when I was reading your profile is that also how to increase happiness, because I think we get really caught in our, we become our own worst boss. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Um, So let's talk a little bit about that, about uh, that entrepreneurship, that entrepreneurship spirit and and uh, how to build that business. Yeah. So, you know, when I got started in real estate, I was doing a lot of research. So I think the first step is to kind of get the information and learn. And one of the things that I saw right off the bat was, you know, the margins and the numbers that I wanted just from looking on the MLS, they weren't there. And I felt like, it, you know, there was the way to kind of get to the numbers and the deals that I wanted was to create value. So I think the first thing that kind of ties with real estate and being an entrepreneur is you have to kind of add value. That's how I saw it. So for me in the beginning, it was doing, you know, the yellow letter marketing and different techniques that I was able to read about and learn about and kind of take that approach as an entrepreneur and how do I kind of grow my marketing and my, and what is my return on investment in my marketing and what kind of leads are coming through and how am I converting them? And, you know, we've done a lot of different types of real estate. You know, we started out and we did some wholesaling, we bought some rental properties, we did some renovations, and we kind of just over time tweaked our systems and processes and found that new construction and infill development was like our niche in the market. Um, but it just kind of took a lot of different trial and error, which I think is a big part about being an entrepreneur also is like tweaking, learning, and just kind of trying to find your niche and find a way to add value. Yeah, I, I think that's that's interesting. So would you say that it's even important to add value in that in those marketing efforts? 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. And another thing I see with the marketing is that it's always changing. You always kind of kind of have to be on your game. So it was crazy when I first did like my first yellow letter campaign in 2012, when really no one in Charlotte was doing it. I'll never forget. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I sent a thousand letters out and literally I got a hundred calls back, which is people that understand kind of that marketing technique. You know, nowadays, maybe you get 1% or I'm not even mm-hmm. sure we, have, we don't do as much of that anymore. But it was just like, that was kind of the first step for me. And I didn't really know how to take the calls or do anything like that. But, you know, I just kind of learned as I went and adapted and then kind of just kept tracking. And as I went, you know, we just kind of kept taking the next step. So then we kind of started to realize like, you know, we had to do a little bit more. So we would kind of get out there and drive all the streets on the weekends and, you know, locate which homes were run down and might need work. And we targeted them for marketing. So it was kind of like an always evolving process as well, as we kind of went along this journey to kind of get to where we are today. Sure. So when you were uh, sending out those yellow letters and you're trying to find find that value to add to that recipient. What t- can you give us an example of, of the type of value you were adding to get their attention? Yeah, I think kind of the standard value that, you know, you would want to, you know, provide to someone that's looking to sell and in particular, maybe someone that wants to sell quickly. So for us, it was, you know, cash purchase, uh, you know, we would close quickly, you didn't have to deal with realtors, no closing costs, we're not going to sit and have a, you know, a big repair list. So for people that were in a distressed situation or just didn't want to deal with the headache of selling, you know, we became an interesting option for them. And for us, it was more about like, who are we targeting and what are we targeting? And then what does that return on investment look like? Sure. Well, let's go back to the entrepreneurship and, and building this business because, you know, we, we talk about increased happiness. Um, we've I'm sure everybody that listens to my show has has tired of me talking about the fact that in our society, it seems like we've romanticized the grind and the hustle. Yeah. And just because you're busy doesn't mean you're productive. Definitely. Um, That's a great point. That's something that has been a key kind of backbone to how we've kind of grown our business, you know, fairly quickly in a short amount of time. And currently we do around $20 million in revenue a year and have a team of eight people. And it's uh, myself and my business partner. And I think the one of the biggest things that I always tried to do was work on my business and not work in my business. So what I mean by that is kind of continuing to build processes and systems, but then continuing to fire myself from different daily tasks so that I can continue to focus on Again, the processes, systems, you know, what are the levers that I need to pull to increase revenue, but in a way where I'm not the one that's handwriting a letter or I'm not the one that's maybe paying a utility bill or, you know, overseeing construction. So kind of being able to kind of build the foundation and support of the business. I think that's something that's really hard for, you know, real estate investors and entrepreneurs to kind of let go and be able to invest in those processes and systems. And what I've found is that kind of through this sacrifice of kind of continuing to grow the business. And I've been able to kind of increase my happiness by, again, like, you know, building the business around me, but then also kind of making sure that I'm in like a good financial security, good financial place as well. And just kind of focusing on the long grind of that and not kind of going out and, you know, buying materialistic things, but understanding like for me, what made me happy and what I need to do, and then kind of treating it like, a muscle that I'm continuing to invest and improve and 
kind of can look back every six, 12 months and really kind of see the progress and just kind of keep moving forward. And, and really it's, it's becomes in real estate and entrepreneurship, just all about a consistent approach and, and just kind of continuing to try to improve every day just a little bit. So what are some of those business processes that, you know, you've been kind of learning as you, you went and now you've established a pretty sizable business, but knowing what you know now, what would you say are some of those first initial business processes that people should possibly consider implementing now to make their, make this more of a long-term goal? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one that's a great resource that anyone can sign up for free right away is called Asana. And the way Asana works, if you're not familiar, it's just simple to do list, but then you can create projects and you can assign different people on your team, different tasks. And again, this is all free. And you know, now pretty much a lot of our team lives by Asana and we're kind of able to communicate. And, you know, when a new project comes in, we we take the template, we create, you know, a, a new project based off that template and everyone's able to go. So, you know, that's an, an invaluable tool for me. And then also it's just been some of the, you know, the money investments too. So we, for construction, we're now on a software called Buildtopia, which just allows, again, those processes, systems, the team to interact and kind of create this kind of process and template for each job. So through those kind of processes and systems, you know, we've been able to uh, kind of take the business to the next level. No, we we use. Uh, it's funny you bring up Asana. We use that very heavily as well for some of our projects. Yeah, it's great. And when we were a little bit more heavy into like um, the CRM type stuff, especially with leads, Podio was a great one. Um, and we were able to again figure out, especially in the beginning when we were kind of bootstrapping, we were able to figure out how to use Podio in a free way and kind of create it ourselves and create the different tabs. It's a little bit tricky to kind of understand, but over time we were able to kind of figure it out and, and kind of go from there. So you, you mentioned briefly there about investing in yourself. Um, and that seems to be something that eventually like falls off of people's radar or they don't put the amount of value in that as the, as they probably should. And if they're listening to a podcast like this one right now, I mean, they're, they're investing their time and we really appreciate that, you know, that, that they see the value here. But talk a little bit about that type of investment and the personal investment and how important that is and directly related to the business. Yeah, I think for me, I just always knew that like financial security, that was going to be a big piece to my happiness and my success. So for me, I was always constantly, you know, the money that the business was making, I was just kind of like, you know, reinvesting and you know, making sure that I had good reserves because I knew that like if I could kind of get over the hump of those kind of reserves that I'd, you know, just in general, you know, feel that happiness and not have the kind of anxiety that and I felt like that was the biggest thing for me was the anxiety because it is really hard when you're getting started as an entrepreneur and in real estate investing. So, you know, being able to kind of take care of that was great. And then, you know, just the invest, you know, taking money and investing in the personal side too. And, you know, one thing that, you know, I was able to, you know, purchase a Peloton and that's just been like a great investment in kind of the personal health. And now I'm kind of continuing to look at different products and different things to kind of continue to invest in myself personally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, let's circle back to the entrepreneurship because what you, you mentioned uh, that you basically started off with single family homes and, and doing some of that traditional quote unquote real estate investing 
and now you're doing what you're doing today. Like, how did that, how did that evolve? Yeah, for me, I'm really numbers driven. So I always have kind of tried to follow the margins and the numbers that made sense. And, you know, as we kind of just kept trying new things, we just felt like for us, the new construction, the the margins were a little bit more consistent and more predictable because you were dealing with building something new from scratch versus what we found with renovations of kind of the, you know, the unpredictability of the the costs. And we were just felt like we were able to also add value by finding, you know, areas that were maybe underdeveloped and adding some density and some new products. So for us, it was more about, for me, it was more about following the numbers. And I'm just, you know, if the numbers made sense, it was a more analytical approach and the analytical kind of kept pushing us to, to new construction. And when we did a lot of um, renovations, it, the numbers just weren't kind of penciling out as much. So I, w- I would definitely urge everyone to make sure they understand their numbers. And a lot of times that will kind of guide you to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. So can, can you talk a little bit about the kind type of construction that you do today? Yeah. So pretty much what we do, we specialize our, it's going to be single family homes, duplexes and townhomes. Our single family home product is anywhere from 2000 square feet heated up to like 3000 square foot heated with an attached garage. And a lot of times what we look to do is find opportunities where we can, you know, maybe add density or maybe it's a neighborhood where there's, uh, you know, like one of the areas that we've done well in, they've uh, just uh, extended the train system, which is called the light rail here in Charlotte. So we've been kind of following the neighborhoods where that's happened and trying to understand, you know, where millennials in particular that are moving to Charlotte might want to, uh, might want to live. So we try to kind of tailor to that four hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand dollar price point, which is probably like an upper middle price point here in Charlotte. And again, it's kind of like your dual income, no kids. So we really try to kind of include the things that we feel like are high value, but we're also not, you know, super custom and super um, you know, unique where we're kind of needing to be a million dollar plus market. Mm-hmm. So how much, since uh, you probably progressed your way there, but how much do you think a person actually needs to know about construction and, and building to do what you do today? Or, or is it something that somebody could jump into or, or eventually learn? Yeah. I mean, me and my business partner, we didn't really have a construction background getting into it. So we you know, tried to hire the right people. We made some mistakes in the beginning and we had to hire new people. And you, we kind of just have learned over the years kind of what works and what doesn't. I also think in this day and age, there's a ton of information online. There's, you know, blogs, podcasts. So we make sure we consume as much information as possible. We also joined the uh, NAHB, the National Association for Home Builders, and are in a group of kind of like a little mini mastermind group that has kind of similar size builders across the country. So, you know, we're able to kind of learn some best practices from those guys and they are, a lot of them do have that construction background. So that helps. And, and then the biggest thing has been, you know, now as we've kind of gained traction, we, we make sure we hire, right. We know what to look for. We have a lot of, you know, team members that have a lot of experience with national builders that have been doing this for years um, so we're kind of, just, you know, building the systems and the processes and, you know, having the financial side kind of put together, but we've got, um, you know, a great leader in our construction manager that, you know, we're kind of working alongside him and he's got a lot of experience, which is very helpful. 
So it sounds like you've joined a lot of groups to kind of surround yourself with like-minded people and people who are likely more successful at this than you are. How important yeah. was that in the development uh, of your business? Uh, super, super important. I mean, you know, I think the biggest thing with like entrepreneurship and, and, and real estate investing is that the information's out there. You know, everyone knows that networking can be a good thing. It's just, you have to go take the action to, to go out and network. So, I mean, the information, the people that we've learned from the people that, you know, if we got in a pinch that we could, you know, call email, or if we have a quick question, it's invaluable to make those connections. So I would say, you know, it's a huge piece. I actually, I met my business partner at a networking event in a local real estate group here in Charlotte. So I think that the opportunities are endless. It's just, you got to get out there and kind of take action and meet people and, and then, you know, just continue to learn and grow. So you, you mentioned you, you, you met your business partner at one of these networks. Like how long did it take you to realize that that was a good fit and, and how did you two vet each other out basically? Yeah, it may have been a little bit of, of luck, but you know, when we kind of met eight years ago, I was working a full-time job as a financial analyst. He was a commercial pilot and we just kind of started doing deals together and it just kind of started to work from there. And it just so happened that, I'm probably a little bit more analytical and he is a bit, probably a better salesperson and a little bit more of a better kind of big thinker. And we just kind of were able to make our personalities mesh. You know, I think that if I were starting a new business tomorrow, there'd probably be like a more stringent, uh, you know, different type of process and I'd interview people, but it just kind of worked out. We were young and we were both hungry and we both really wanted it. But, you know, I would say that if you are looking for a partner, make sure that you try to find someone that has a good balance with you. If they have all the same strengths and weaknesses as you, then you know, you're know you not going to maybe see the synergies that me and my business partner see from being kind of, you know, some of my strengths and his weaknesses, they, they align so that we're able to, you know, the saying would be like one plus one in this case is greater than two, I think with our partnership. So like I said, if you're looking for a partner and I think partnerships are great too. I know that when I was getting started, and it was really daunting to try to gain traction and to kind of have someone there to, you know, lean on and to help kind of get through because you're going to deal with a lot of uh, challenge, you know, things that are foreign. And whenever something's foreign, it feels like you lose that confidence right away. But kind of having someone there for me really helped to feel like I had someone that was also holding me accountable. And I was like, I couldn't make an excuse not to do something when, you know, my business partner Zeb was right there doing it, or I just didn't, didn't want to let him down in, in general. So that just kind of helps if, if you feel lost and you feel stuck, you know, I think that real estate offers an amazing opportunity where, you know, there's a bunch of different things that you can bring to a deal and a transaction. So figure out what you're going to be able to bring. But if you're having issues with the money or you have the money and you want someone to bring the deals, like figure out what you need and go network and try to find the right fit for someone that's going to bring something different than what you already have. Hmm. No, that's that's really uh, a big one. Is that I found like that accountability partner is is invaluable. Like definitely, yeah. It it kind of keeps you both moving. Um. So when you're deciding to to do some of this construction, and you're picking out, you you mentioned uh, you're you're kind of targeting some of those uh, millennial areas, or or uh, you're looking for uh, trends in the market. Like what, what are some of those things you're looking at? Like what, how do you pick a market and are you even down to the neighborhood? 
Yeah. So our neighborhoods, you know, like I said, they're all going to be like a few miles from uptown. We focus a lot on the the numbers and the density in terms of like how many units we can get on a piece of property. And then from there, it's just been from years of experience of kind of refining our product. So we have, you know, 10 to 15 single family plans. So we try to make sure we find lots that our plans fit on. So that there's that repeatability of the process. The team is familiar with those plans. And then in general, we just try to kind of design plans that are, you know, open floor plan and a nice kitchen island, kind of like everything that, you know, buyers these days are, are looking for. Obviously, they care about, you know, the master suite and, and then kind of the beds and baths. And, you know, each market, it depends on the price point, will kind of determine, you know, what house we put there, which we, we try to be not the highest price in the neighborhood. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you try to, you know, because sometimes the larger, you know, if you have a 2,400 square foot house and a 2,800 square foot house, both those homes are going to have the same number of kitchens. And they may both have the same number of baths. So you do start to see economies of scale when you build a larger home. But that needs to be, you know, balanced with are you hitting your price ceiling in a specific neighborhood? So, you know, we just kind of have been in a lot of these neighborhoods for a bunch of years and we understand, you know, all the streets really well and what's kind of going on. And we're just very um, niche and very targeted. And I think that's probably my biggest, you know, what would be my biggest piece of advice also in real estate is, you know, try to find your niche, try to be an expert in, in something. I think it's really easy to have like that shiny object syndrome in real estate where it's like, oh, this person's making money in office and this person's making money with rentals and this person's doing, you know, self-storage and it's really easy to want to bounce around. But I found the most success in getting like as niche and as specialized as possible and just being a leader in that specific part of the industry. Yeah, no, I, I definitely have experience that what you focus on is what grows. And if you spread yourself too thin, uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't work out. It's like a magnifying glass, right? You're yeah, not going to, exactly. you're not going to make that fire unless you focus that light. Yeah. So I've even tried to just continue to get more and more focused in our business and what we're doing and just kind of continue to put the team in the best place to succeed because it creates the best processes, best systems and and now we've been fortunate that we have a brand in Charlotte. So people know like what we're looking for. They've seen our signs. They've seen the stuff that we're doing. So, you know, we do get a lot of referral business now, which is, you know, great also. Okay. Well, so um, you, you talked about having a number of templates, whether it's in Asana or Biltopia. Biltopia, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about when it comes to cost control and how you're, how you're building these? Do you have essentially a template or a couple templates that, uh, so everybody's on board when you know you're going to build in this neighborhood for this this particular house, it's pretty much consistent across the board. There's not a lot of decision making at that point. We try to keep it pretty consistent. So we work off of a purchase order system. So what that means is that when a project starts, we've created all of the invoices, so to speak. So we know exactly what framing is going to cost for that house. We know what our windows are going to cost. And then it's as simple as the contractor, you know, will perform the work when it's completed, we check off on that purchase order. And then that way throughout the process, we're able to really understand if costs are moving or not. Um, but from like a true system, you know, the way we've kind of set it up is we will just do that kind of process on the front side. But since our homes have a lot of um, very similar characteristics besides kind of tweaking the size and some slight finishes here and there. Like we kind of now know what to expect from our costs. We're not necessarily like as granular to the point where 
Um, you know, I can tell you every single thing, you know, every single piece of material and what that's going to cost because we tried to kind of keep it a little bit more high level so we could create this purchase order system. I th- you know, the larger builders, they can tell you to the nearest nail, to the nearest, you know, piece of lumber, kind of what a house is going to cost. For us, it was more like, can we, let's build these processes and systems. Let's have a really good idea of what we're going to, what our build costs are and kind of refine that. And I think over time, we'll get a little bit more granular with it as we continue in our niche and continue to kind of build the same homes over and over again, it becomes easier to do that. So do you, do you still experience like project creep in the, in the situation now? I mean, for when we do fix and flips, that's just, we're notorious for that. We're next thing, you know, we didn't have, we didn't plan to, but now we're putting in high end light fixtures or putting in a backsplash. We didn't plan to. And next thing, you know, you've nickel and dimed yourself. Yeah, it's something to definitely keep an eye on. We've really tightened our systems and we try to uh, make sure that on the front side, everything is selected so that you kind of avoid that creep and so that everyone's kind of, you know, on the same page in terms of what we're going to include. And if we're purchase, you know, creating our purchase orders properly, then we know on day one what it should cost. And then everything from there is called a VPO, a variance purchase order. Um, so that way, that way we can track and see the creep as it comes because we've certainly had a similar experience when we were doing renovations where, you know, you think you're going to come in at one place and it's just, it's like, a, we called it like a slow, painful death. Like every step of the way, you just, all right, another thousand dollars here, another thousand dollars there. So we really try to think through the project from like a full, you know, what is this purchase order? What is it going to look like? And, and try to keep it as tight as possible. We certainly have, have creeps here and there. And, and also, uh, you know, another big thing is like whenever you do a new project, a new, you know, if it's like a new townhome project with different types of units, maybe something different than what you've done in the past, um, you should always plan for higher costs and for it to take longer than you planned. Uh, no matter, without fail, that's kind of been the experience that we've had throughout our business. So I think anyone that's getting started and you're going to do something new, uh, be aware of that, that, you know, rarely do the the spreadsheet numbers kind of come in and you have to kind of be ready to roll with the punches and learn and and that's, again, why finding a niche and becoming a master at that one area, you'll start to at least kind of, you know, see less slippage and you'll see, you know, a little bit more of a, a streamlined approach that's going to give you more predictability. Mm-hmm. So just to remind everybody, if you like what you're hearing here right now, make sure you check out his podcast, that Charlotte Entrepreneur Podcast. Uh, I'm sure you cover a lot of these type of business strategies and processes on that podcast. Uh, it sounds yeah, like definitely. you have a lot of great uh, conversations with other local entrepreneurs. Yeah, we try to, you know, get in and talk to some local entrepreneurs, but I think the general themes can really help, you know, entrepreneurs wherever you are. You know, we try to really highlight the businesses and, you know, the people that are successful. We really take the time to understand what they feel like was their key to success and what kind of got them over the hump. And then on the flip side, we also like to interview people that maybe ha- haven't had as much traction or are just getting started and we try to help them along their journey. And I think both avenues can be, you know, really exciting and interesting for someone that's getting started to kind of hear how someone's done it, but then, you know, hopefully can kind of hear about someone that's, you know, struggling and or just is looking to take the next step and is unsure what those steps look like. So mm-hmm. we were hoping to kind of create a community and a platform that um, allowed people to to learn and and kind of understand the journey a little bit. Sure. Well, you know, a couple last questions I have for you is we uh, you're you're talking about this building, and we we just chatted a little bit about 
construction creep. <laughs> and yeah. The, the thousand, thousand cuts of death or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. Um, how do you stay in front of the trends and everything associated with new construction? You know, you're, you start a project. How long does it typically take you to build a house? Uh, it takes us around eight to 10 months to build a single family home right now. A project from start to finish for us is taking around 12 months because uh, a lot of what we look to do is kind of buy right development. So the zoning's in place for us to move forward. So we're not having to do, you know, a rezoning where you're meeting with the city and having to get, you know, multiple levels of approval through the neighborhood association and things of that nature. Um but honestly, my business partner, he's a little bit more of a design guy. So he stays up on on the trends and he kind of works a little bit closer with the interior designer. But I will say like following the the comps in your market is super helpful. So see what other people are doing. Make sure, especially in the beginning, like that you're walking a lot of the homes that are near you if you want to be in a certain neighborhood and understand what they have, understand the size, understand the things that you might like and might not like. But you know, I think that the way we got started to understand how to create a floor plan was we've just kind of looked at some similar ones in the area and got really familiar with, you know, what other people were doing that was successful. And you could kind of, in some ways, emulate it, some ways kind of create your own little spin on it. But, um, you know, it's not overly complex. If you kind of see the bedroom bath count and the, the, you know, floor plans that people are doing and try to get pretty close and then kind of learn as you go. Yeah, the reason I ask is because let's say you have a 12-month period. Um, the way, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to disparage millennials by any stretch, but we're dealing with a younger and younger population and their tastes change so quickly that you could uh-huh. start a house and by the time you're, you're done with it, um, you know, shiplap is out of style now or or, you know, something like that, or Edison lights are out of style now. And it and it's something that you kind of have to adapt to at the end. Yeah, we found definitely some different trends and different things changing. But again, we try to stay on top of it so that at least if the trend's changing a little bit in six months, like we're still there. But I will say that like the floor plans and what people want have been pretty consistent for a number of years now. Like, you know, a lot of our plans have an, an open floor concept. I mean, some people necessarily don't need a formal dining room. Some people like a formal dining room. So that's changed a little bit, but you know, the cohere, you know, the cohesion of the downstairs for us in terms of our living, dining, kitchen, kind of all being a place to gather and entertain. That's been consistent for the last, you know, eight years that we've been in business. And I feel like that's going to kind of continue and people still love a nice big master suite with a, you know, the master you know, master tubs are kind of hit or miss. Not everyone is as worried about them, but they still want their master suite to be nice and big and a nice and big master closet. So while trends kind of ebb and flow a little bit, like those core principles that are going to be your, you know, the most important items, I think, in designing a home have been pretty consistent. So does your company basically handle the general contracting and everything yourself then, or do you hire a lot of this out? So we are builders, general contractors. My business partner got his license. So we have the whole, you know, we have uh, three project managers on staff. We have someone that's in purchasing and we have um, someone that helps with the books and the, you know, some of the um, accounts payable, you could say. And so we kind of manage all that, but we hire out. So we have a framer, we have someone that does the foundation. So we don't do any of like the physical work, but we're managing the entire process, but we do hold the license. So that's, was like another kind of um, tool to the tool belt that we added. Um, so in the beginning, we were 
you know, specializing in finding opportunities. And like I said, we were wholesalers. We found opportunities. We we understood that. And the reason we brought the construction in-house, and this was honestly a credit to my business partner for kind of having this kind of foresight. And again, I think this goes back to the partnership thing where he was like the big thinker kind of seeing ahead. And maybe I was a little bit more like making sure everything was in line at the time. Um, but we realized that we didn't have control over the entire process on the construction side. We didn't know our numbers well enough. Um, and, you know, we just didn't control the product and the whole process. So, you know, he had the foresight to say, hey, we should bring this in-house at a time when we were kind of still specializing in what we specialized in. And that's been like a really nice way to kind of round out our full service. And we have a sales team now as well. So we really are kind of like that turnkey infill builder in Charlotte. And we've kind of carved out our niche in, in that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, we, we've been chatting for, I, I, I already warned you that we probably were going to go beyond what I, time-wise. That's quite all right. So um, before we wrap things up here, was there a question that you kind of wished we would have, I would have answered, asked you here tonight? Question that I wish you would have asked. I think, uh, you know, just in general, like we talked about the entrepreneurship and the happiness, I think that's continuing to be something that I'm I'm using my business and using, you know, real estate and and the financial, um, you know, gains just to kind of like increase the time I have, increase the happiness. I think it's really important that when you're an entrepreneur and you're getting started, like understand what you're in it for, understand your why, understand um, you know, the things that are at the end of the day are, are going to make you happy. And I think that you're in control too. Like you, you can make all the right decisions and do the right things and you can see that, you know, growth, but it's going to take a process. It's, it's a long process. And I think that, you know, one thing that I really thought in, in real estate is you can understand, you know, sometimes the numbers can get big and you think like that next deal is going to change everything. And like, oh, if I could just get that one big deal, but in actuality, that that neck that big deal never comes. It's just going to be about being consistent, that slow approach, and I'm just trying to really like enjoy the journey as much as possible. So uh, that's kind of like advice that I would give to someone starting out is like understand that it's going to be a long, hard process. Try to enjoy it. Try to you know track your progress and um, and just kind of go from there. Yeah. No. That's that's awesome. So just to kind of wrap things up, I always kind of try to pull a few things out of what we were chatting about. You probably noticed I was taking some notes here and there as we were we were chatting here tonight, but um, really thought it was interesting. And I think that's something really telling is that you, you've learned to add some sort of value to every, essentially every interaction. Uh, I mean, down to your marketing and that you should think about approach it in that light. I think that's that's really telling, and I think that's what you you have me rethinking my yellow letter campaigns right now, um, because right now I think everybody gets those uh, we buy houses fast cash. I mean, that's right. all the same message. How can I add some value to that to that marketing? Uh, I think that might be a game changer. I think that's something I need to pay attention to. Yeah, maybe you could kind of like tweak and look at what, you know, test out a few different things. And then I think the value of the list and who you're reaching out to is important as well. Yeah. So got to get some of those processes in place early, whether people want to admit it or not, especially for real estate investors. We, it's almost like a rock star status or something, if you will. Now you're a real estate investor, but 
Um, mm-hmm. You're really an entrepreneur first and foremost, and you, you need to start considering building out some of those processes. I would really check out Asana. That We rely pretty heavily on that tool as well, and you can't beat the price. Um, I'm not familiar with Builtopia. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, it's a little bit more geared towards new construction, but um, but it's been a great kind of next level tool for us to create our purchase order system in particular. Yeah, I, 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 for people who are doing buy and hold, I, I would take a look at a couple uh, rental management solutions as well. You know, Avail, uh, he was just on our show. Uh, they have a free tier for those that are just starting out. Uh, Cozy is another one. Tenant Cloud, you know, there's a lot of uh, solutions that uh, that really are designed to help in in ways that you might not realize that you it once you start using it it's that building that habit working that muscle. Yeah, and uh, another thing in the beginning too, if it was like a menial task, you know, I definitely used to use uh, virtual assistants as well. So, you know, you can kind of create process maps and you know show the steps and um, you know take little screenshots so that they understand the process and you'd be amazed at how much you can kind of, you know, if you're doing menial tasks over and over, it's going to prevent you from working on the business or adding that value. So, you know, really try to think through those things. And, you know, the more time you can create for yourself, the more you're going to be able to focus on the, the most important thing in your business to lead to success. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good advice. And then the last thing I really wanted to make an emphasis on, and that I, I think is something that that uh, we really have to keep in mind is is focus. You, you brought up that we all are guilty of that shiny object syndrome. Um, you can spread yourself too thin, but it doesn't happen until you focus on a niche and and pay that pay the proper attention when it's going to finally start to grow. Definitely, I think uh, Warren Buffett's like fame. One of his famous sayings is like, "You only really have to kind of." be great at a few things and then everything else will kind of like take care of itself. Something along those lines. I'm probably botching the words a little bit, but that kind of resonates with me of like, just be great at a few, you know, really just be great at, you know, one thing and it'll really help. So Jason, uh, one more time, like if, if people wanted to, to tune into your podcast or uh, just take a look at some of the work that you're doing, uh, where would they find you? Yeah. So the Charlotte Entrepreneur Podcast, we drop a new episode every Thursday. You can find us on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. We're on you know, all the, the different podcast platforms, so Apple, Spotify. And if you want to you know, see a little bit more of what my business does, my business is Vista Homes. We have, we're on you know, vistahomescltcom And then we're also on all the social media platforms if you're interested just to kind of see what we're doing. And again, uh, my name Jason Javer. You could kind of find me on all of those platforms also. And you know, if you have any questions or you know, just don't uh, hesitate. Just feel free to reach out, and I'm happy to to answer any questions and see how I can help. Well, I appreciate your time tonight. This was a great conversation, and uh, I hope that uh, you can come on again sometime in the near future. I love to. Thanks for having me, Jack. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated along with a like, share, and review. 
It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time and tell a friend.